Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. And then today, uh, I'm going to focus on this word called first. It's a focus on firsts. And, and, and it's this, everybody, that order is important. That's what we're going to talk about today. That when it comes to living your best life, that order is important. That order is important. And we're going to go to a book that probably you haven't, you, you haven't heard a sermon from this book in the Bible in a really long time. Some of you, if ever. Okay, And it's the book of Haggai is where we're going to go. And I'm going to give you a little backdrop in, in just a second of this book of, of Haggai. But um, I, I, I was noticing something. My wife and I, in fact, we um, um, everywhere we go, uh, I, I'm always noticing uh, certain things. I always notice potential in people. Always, always. I'm always seeing potential. In fact, this past week, you know, my wife and I took about a week off and, and uh, just enjoyed ourselves. Uh, it was kind of like, I know this is sound, sounding kind of weird, but it kind of, uh, because of COVID and because of a vacation we had scheduled a long time ago and it got canceled, then canceled again, and we rescheduled, it was canceled again. We finally just said, we give us our money back. We're just going to go just the two of us where we want to go. So we did and uh, just enjoyed our week together. Just We always do that every January, February. It's always, our, always, yeah, though it is. Uh, every February is our anniversary, so we just try to get get alone together without the kids. How many think that's a brilliant thing to do to get away without the kids? And we try to do that around our anniversary time. And and um, and as we were as we were going, um, that, you know, if you're going to ask me today if I saw the Packer game, yes, I did. Yes, I did. I did see the Packer game. I don't want to talk about it. Um, um, but but I was in I was in this this uh, room because of where we were uh, the game just wasn't on I it, we couldn't get it on our television so I had to go to a different place where there was a where they had the the, the satellite feed and then all of us we, we and there were loads of Packer fans there there and I was in Mexico everybody there was about twenty people wearing Packer jerseys in Mexico that all came to this place to go see this this game it was fun and this young man his name was Hunter. And Hunter was, it was 19 years old, and, and he's the one who invited me. He said, hey, you know what? The Packers game isn't going to be on in the room. And, uh, and he said, so if you want to see it, come, come over here. We're all getting together, and you, we can all just watch the game together. I said, hey, that's great. I invited my wife. She, she said, no. Okay, that's just not her. That's not what she does. She said, you go have fun. I'll just read a book. Okay, so that's what I did. So I, I went, and, and, and Hunter, as, as we were watching this Packer game together. He was just going to person to person to person to person to person and making everybody feel special and knowing everybody's name and high-fiving everybody in the room. And, and, and I, I, I went back to my, my room that night. And I, said, I said, baby, I, I met this guy named, named Hunter, this young man named Hunter, and this guy has so much potential. He, he, can make, he can make a difference in the lives of others. He has this personality that is just contagious, like everybody in the room is his friend and they just loved, everybody just loved this young man. And wow, if this guy accepted Christ, he could make a huge difference in the world. And I was kind of brokenhearted because it was obvious that he didn't know Christ. And of course, I, 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 was, I saw him for several days and tried to bring that into the, in, into the conversation. And he didn't really want to have anything to do with it. And his, his parents and his friends that were there too, they, didn't, have, they didn't want to have anything to do with it. In fact, all of them were just kind of, 
you know, drinking beers and, 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 you know, just dropping them one after another. And I, and I, I really felt uncomfortable, everybody. I was kind of out of my environment. That's not what I'm used to at all. And yet, at the same point, I looked at that opportunity as this is my chance just to share the love of Christ and, and, have, and, and just be open to the Holy Spirit. To the Holy Spirit, what would you have me do? What would you have me say in this moment? And sure enough, the Holy Spirit created some opportunities for me just to minister the grace of God. And, 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 and I, was, I was looking at her saying, you've got so much potential and you're missing out on your best life. You're missing out on your best life. Your best life would be to accept the Lord Jesus Christ and to take those gifts that he's given you and use them for the advancement of the kingdom of God and to share the good news of grace with others. And you could really make a difference in the world, but you don't know Jesus. You don't know Jesus and you're going to miss out on your best life. And, and then other things happen too. So not only do I see, so I see people with potential, it's just who I am, but I also... As I go and travel, uh, even stateside, as I travel stateside, I, I oftentimes see things that I just think, oh, boy, what are they doing? What are they thinking? And how come they're not fixing that? And how come they're not taking care of that? And, and one of those things is if you ever drive by churches, that you drive by a lot of churches and some of them are just so dilapidated. They're just so run down and not taken care of. And the church sign hasn't been changed for four months. I mean, it's April and it still has something about, about Christmas up on the church sign. You know what I'm talking about? Like nobody even takes the initiative to change the lettering on the church sign to update it every week. It's just, it's like, what, 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 what are you guys thinking? What are you guys thinking? This is the kingdom of God. We've got to be serious about the kingdom of God, about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's real. It's going to happen. It's imminent. It will take place, and we've got to be ready for it. And it just seems, let me say it a different way, everybody, it just seems as, as, I, as I look across a lot of churches and a lot of Christians that they're just so casual. They're just so casual about the gospel of grace. They're, they're so casual about the message of Jesus, so casual that they have a hard time even changing their church sign. They don't change their Christmas sign until it's Easter. And then they won't change their Easter sign until school starts again. You know, you don't talk. That's just too casual. And it's not about church signs. It's my wife doesn't even let me talk about church signs anymore. Everybody, she doesn't because I'll bring it up. Like, what are they thinking? What are they? Just stop it. Stop it. You stop it. You know, because I just I just notice when things are not what they should be, because everybody, we're supposed to be a light to the world. And the good news of Jesus Christ is attractive to those who are lost. If they're hungry for truth, it's attractive to them. Now, some of them, they're, they're just cut off, and it's foolishness to those who don't believe. A lot of times, it just doesn't make sense. But can I tell you something? That as we live as children of light, as we live our best life, and we live at our purpose in Christ Jesus, that all of a sudden people will say, well, what's different about them? That some, they got something that I want. They have something, they know something that I don't know, and I want to be, a, they, they just have hope when I don't have hope. They, they have strength when I wouldn't have strength. Everybody, your light, your light, the light of Jesus Christ inside of you should be attracting people to the cause to the, to, to the call of Jesus Christ, to the gospel of grace, helping them to become passionately devoted followers of Christ. And if you're living your best life, that's what's happening. Because your best life, your best life is living out and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, living according to his purpose in your life.
And one of the purposes that God has for all of us, in fact, it's the principle of first as believers. It's the principle of first. See, some Christians are so casual about their relationship with Jesus, and we are never meant to be casual Christians. Everybody look at your pastor. Look at your pastor. Hear me. Please hear me. You are not called to be a casual Christian. That is not the call of God for you. Selah. Pause and think calmly about that for a moment. Are you casual about the things of God? Are you just like, well, I'll just go to church on Sunday and I'll give 20 bucks in the offering. Everything's going to be good. I'll just go live my life. Can I tell you, that's not your best life. That's casual Christianity. And there's no, let me say it like this, everybody. Maybe this will get your attention. There's no call for it. Literally. There's no call for it. God never called you to be a casual Christian. It's the principle of first. The principle of first. God first. In what, Pastor? Everything. 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 So here we have the book of Haggai. And what's happened? You, you guys know the story. The, 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 the Old Testament is filled with, with just this common theme that the children of God are kind of just rebelling against God and they come back to him and then they rebel and they come back and then they rebel. And the prophets throughout the, the Old Testament, the major prophets and the minor prophets, it doesn't mean that some prophets are, are less significant. It just means that they didn't communicate as much as the major prophets. Like Isaiah would be a major prophet. Haggai would be a minor prophet. In fact, his book is the short, uh, second shortest book in the Old Testament. So he's a minor prophet. He had less he was just recorded as saying things less than what other prophets were, okay? And so throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, it's just God saying to, the, to his children, come to me. Just come back to me. I want to be in a relationship with you. Don't, don't have other idols. Don't walk away from me. Just come to me. Come to me. And he's using these prophets to tell the, the, the nation of Israel, no, 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 just come back to God. Come back to God. Come back. Don't walk away from God. Come back to God. You got to get this right. So what's happened is that a lot of prophets come out, they, 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 they say, hey, hey, listen, Israel, if you go in this direction away from God, I'm telling you, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it all. God's going to take you and he's going to destroy everything around you in order to get your attention. And that's exactly what happens. So we find out in around 587 B.C., that, that the Babylonians come in and they conquer Jerusalem and they tear down Jerusalem and they take these, these children of God, the Israelites, into captivity. And then and Babylon is just ruling the world at this point and the Israelites are in captivity and, and, and it's just like what God told them through the prophets. It comes true. But, but, but there are other prophets that come on the scene down the road and if you read the Old Testament, that's kind of the order of things. And so Haggai is one of those prophets. So they've been in captivity now for a long time. And Persia comes and actually takes over. They actually conquer the Babylonians. And, and, and through um, the, the Persian rule, who, the known ruler of the world at that point, they tell the Israelites, hey, we're okay with you going back to Jerusalem and rebuilding Jerusalem. Because they tore it down. They tore down the temple. They tore down the walls. They tore it down it all. And so they gave these exiles permission to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city. And, and it would be called maybe the first wave of people going back to Jerusalem. 
And so they go back and they say, hey, we're going to rebuild things. And they start rebuilding their houses and cleaning up the debris. And they start kind of with the foundation of the temple. And then the Samaritans come in and say, hey, we're going to help you do this. We'll help you rebuild the temple. And they actually said, no, we're not interested in that. And all of a sudden, they just stopped rebuilding the temple. And they start just building, building their own houses and building an economy. And all of a sudden, they, they start buying and selling and, and businesses are formed and crops are planted and harvest start, starts happening. And Haggai sees what's going on and he has a word from the Lord for all of these people who have gone back to Jerusalem to start rebuilding it. And that's where we find ourselves in Haggai chapter 1 verse 2 is where we're going to start. It says this. Haggai says this, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. The people are saying, the Israelites are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. And then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruin? This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you can't keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you're putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills and bring down timber and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, watch what God says to you. Watch what he says. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Wait, you did what, God? Yeah, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And while while all of you are busy building your own fine houses, he's saying this, God's saying this. No, no, guys, you've gotten this out of order. You just placed me to the side. See, so, so let me show you exactly what these Israelites were doing as they were rebuilding Jerusalem. Are you ready for this? This is an out-of-order life that I'm going to talk to you about. And, and some of you, as soon as I bring these things up, you're going to see that in your life, that your life might be out of order. It might be out of order. That you might have your priorities wrong in this life. And I'm telling you this, I wanted to say this, everybody. This is, this is one of those sermons that is a very serious sermon. I'm just saying that up front. That this is a life-changing message if you embrace it. And I want you to truly think as we go through these, am I doing that? Do I have an out-of-order life? So watch what the Israelites did. First of all, letter A, an out-of-order life includes abundant excuses. Just abundant excuses. Remember what they said? They said, verse 2, it says, The people are saying, the time has not come to rebuild the house of the Lord. That means somebody should have said, hey, guys, we should probably rebuild the temple. Ah, nah, it's not time yet. No, it's just not time yet. And it wasn't time yet because they were focused 
on what they wanted to focus on. Their life was out of order, and they were filled with abundant excuses. I'm going to come back to this. The second thing, an out-of-order life includes patterns of selfishness. Patterns of selfishness. God, God literally asked him, why are you living in a luxurious house while my house is still in ruins? You're not focusing on my house at all. You're, you're not, and, and you think, well, well okay, the, the temple was just a building. You're right, but it was a reflection of their hearts. Their, their lack of work on the temple, their lack of thinking about the temple was a reflection of their hearts. They were saying, God, you're just not that important to me. You're not as important as what I want to do. You're not as important as the house I want to live in. You're not as important as the clothes I want to wear and the car I want to drive and the cologne that I want to wear. You're just not as important as all of those things. You're not as important as what I can, want to convey to everybody else on social media. I, I want to show everybody I'm living the perfect life. Everybody, there's a pattern of selfishness. Do you have self, selfish? All of us struggle with selfishness, by the way. Sin is a selfishness issue. All of us struggle with it. But do you have a pattern of selfishness in your life? They had, let us see, a disregard of the obvious. A disregard of the obvious. It, it, well, I'm, I'm going to show you what I mean here. Because <laughs> some, some people, well, let, let me show you, let me show you. Verse 6 says, you have, you've planted much, but you harvest little. You, you eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you can't keep warm. warm. And God says, he says it twice, look at what's happening to you. He, he's saying, isn't it obvious? Your life is messed up. Isn't it obvious that no matter what you do, you're not satisfied? You're making excuses. You're, you're, you're choosing a selfish lifestyle as if those things will make your happy. But look around. Is that really the life that you want to live? Look at what's happening to you. You're ignoring the obvious. You're ignoring the fact that things aren't right. The things are out of order. You're just ignoring it. You're pretending that, it's, that everything is fine, but you know in your heart, everything is not fine. Everything is not fine. And, and, and this, is, this is what the Lord showed me. There's another one I want to add here. This is what the Lord showed me as I was studying this. An out-of-order life includes, watch this, trying to create your own rewards. Oh, this is brilliant right here. The Holy Spirit just, get, just sunk this into my heart that we live in a generation that is trying to create their own rewards. Well, I've always wanted this. Well, I deserve this. And we see it here. The Israelites, literally the Israelites are, are approached by God through the prophet Haggai. And, and, and God tells them, hey, listen, you hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. Like you wanted the best, but you didn't get it. You were trying to build your own reward, create your own 
reward you thought, well, if I, if I plant in this method, in this time, in this way, with this much intensity, then I'm going to reap the benefit of that. And God says, hey, listen, in order to get your attention, I actually blew it away. Why? New song, you weren't designed to create your own reward. Oh. See, God is the one who rewards us, and he's good at his job. He's excellent at his job. When, when my wife and I chose God first in everything, can I tell you that my wife and I, we live a life of reward because it's God first in everything. Can I tell you, this church is living a life of reward because we have leadership here. My, myself, primarily, as we, as we just instigated this from the very get-go of our church, and then, then leaders embraced it, and we just live it together, that it's just God first in everything. It's just God first. That's why, everybody, we told you last year, we gave over $100,000 in demissions. Why? Because it's God first. And when we live life like that, God rewards us. God, so stop living your life trying to create your own reward. You're not designed to do that. Am I making my point, everybody? You're not designed to live life like that. That's not your best life because God says, listen, if you do that, if you just live to create your own reward, he says, I have the ability... No, no, no. Me first. God would say, me first. You say, well, well, that's just jealousy on his part. Yes, it is. The Bible says that God is a jealous God. He's the creator. And he loves you infinity squared. Endless love. And he created you to be in relationship with him. And he says, no, no. No, 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 look at me. Your best life, he would say, is with me. It's knowing me. It's loving me and experiencing my love for you. And I will reward you. But it's got to be me. It's got to be me first. Let me show you something here, everybody. To live your life, your best life, order is important. Order is important. And let, let me show you what I mean by this. Number one, write this down. That we've got to put God first by giving him the first of everything. So if you say, okay, well, I want, I want to get it right. Okay, then put God first in everything. Here's what the Bible says. Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So he's, he's reminding them, hey, look what I've done for you. I've already shown you my incredible love. Can I tell you something, new song? That God has already proved his love for us by sending his son Jesus into the world who endured the penalty of our sins upon himself, proving for God so loved the world. For God so loved you that he gave his only son. He's already proved it to you. That he loves you immensely. Unending. So he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And why would you? Why would you? 
Why would you love any other God besides the one who gave you the gift of his son, Jesus? Why would you want to put anything in front of the God who made a way for you so easy that whosoever would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ would be saved. He made it so easy for us to go to heaven and spend an eternity enjoying him and enjoying his rewards. Why would you want to have any other God before him? And all of us as believers would say, well, we wouldn't. Exactly. And yet it's so easy, isn't it? To fail at putting God first. So we got to put God first in everything, in everything. Okay, what do I mean by that? First, first in your day, God. What's first in your day? It's actually who? It's God. It's God. The first thing that you should do, the first thing I do when I get out of bed after I shut off my alarm and kind of yawn and take a little potty break. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? It's just, okay, God, here I am. I'm ready. I'm ready for this day. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my worship. I, I give you all that I have. He's, he should be the first thought of our every day. In fact, he should be the first of our week. That's why the Bible says, and the, 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 the disciples, the apostles established this, that they gathered together the first day of the week to worship the living God. Why? Because they were putting God first. He's first in my day. He's first in my week. In fact, here in New Song, we decided he's first in our year. That's why we give the first 21 days to prayer and fasting every January. Why? Because we want God to be first in our year. We want him to be first in everything. We want to think about God first in everything. We want to put God first over everything. So, so, so when we sit down to a meal, it's God first. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. In fact, I was so encouraged where we were at this little this little uh, resort that actually we went to uh, uh, about a year ago, the same place that we went uh, a year ago because it's so cheap to go to. We went to this resort and just this past week, and and as we're uh, uh, you know sitting at the table, there's very few people praying. There's very few people acting very godly to tell you the truth, and yet there was there was a time we sat down at a table just to, to eat and a table of five next to us. And, and the husband bowed his head and he prayed out loud for the whole table. I'm like, oh, we're not alone. There's actually other Christians here. And it was so encouraging to us that because we really felt out of place. If you ever go to a resort like that, you, if you're a Christian, you're going to feel out of place. Because you won't look and act and talk like everybody else. I promise you, you won't. And I, it was so refreshing to see that. And so when we sit down to eat, it's, it's God first. Hey, we're going to pray first. But let me say it another way. When, when you go to your job, it should be God first. God, God, help me today to be a good worker. Help me today to give my very best. Give me thoughts that nobody else has. Give me creativity. Give me, give me steadiness in my thoughts and in my, in my work. And help, help me to do a great job today. Help me be a blessing to others. Help me to be a, a blessing to this company. Help me to, to, to exercise truth when, when people are speaking lies. Help me to, to witness. Help me to share my faith with somebody. Create opportunity. It should, you should be praying on your way to work. God, help me today. Because I'm going to be around people who don't know you. All of you probably live that life. I don't. I go to work with Christians. 
I'm a blessed and highly favored type of guy. You know that? Because my office environment is way different than your environment. And you should pray first because you need him in that environment. And he needs you in that environment to be a light. That'll tweet that, everybody. That's pretty good stuff. I just thought about that. You need to put him first in your marriage. God first in your marriage. God first in your family. God first in your finances. That's why the Bible says we give our first fruits of, of what? Of all of our increase. We give it back to God. Some, sometimes every, every time uh, tax season comes around, Pastor, I just got a tax refund. refund. Should I tithe on that? And I, I want to say, you know, well, well, Pastor, you know, technically I've already tithed on my, you got the wrong heart. That's legalism, everybody. That's legalism. It, it, what you're asking at that point is, listen, I want to give my, you know, what God wants from me, but I'm, I don't want to give more. I just want to give enough where God says, okay, well, I'll bless you. Give me, I just, I'm, I'm hesitant to give God more. Does that, does that make sense to you? It's like when a teenager comes to you and like, hey, hey, mom, hey, dad, hey, grandma, hey, hey grandpa, like when they're dating, when they start dating or something like that, they say, well, how far is too far when it comes to kissing and all? Well, how far is too far? Well, that's the wrong question. Because what you're asking is how much can I get away with? That's what you're asking. How many know that? To, how many were a teenager at one point in your life? You know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? See, see, how, see how far is too far? That's the wrong question, Pastor. I got a tax refund. Is that should I give back to God on that? That's the wrong question. It's the wrong question. It's actually revealing something in your heart that that needs to be worked on. Because you should live a life of generosity. Where in your finances, it's God. First, it's God first. The very first thing that Jennifer and I do when we receive our paycheck, we tithe first. It's just, and, and we give offerings above and beyond that. We just give it to God first. It's, it's in your everything, everybody, everything. God first, God first, God first, God first. The second thing, you need to know that the first has the power to bless the rest. Order is important. And the first has the power to bless the rest. I want to share with you a portion of scripture that all of you, most of you would know. And yet I'm going to reveal it to you in a way, I'm going to, I'm going to share it with you in a way that maybe you haven't put together before. That actually this, this portion of scripture in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 is a, is, a, is a portion of scripture about order. It's about order. It's about priorities. Watch this, everybody. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, in everything, God first. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes. That sounds to me like he's saying, hey, listen, don't try to create your own rewards. Don't try to live your own life. Don't be wise in your own life, in your own eyes. Don't think that, well, I've got this thing all together. Like, I, boy, one thing, I know how to live life. Everybody, that's a terrible attitude. That's a prideful attitude. Don't be wise in your own eyes. But fear the Lord. Depart from evil. 
It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. And when you do that, your barns, if you put God first, your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. Like you won't have anything to worry about if you just acknowledge God, if you make him the priority of your life. He will take care of every single aspect of your life. And I've seen this over and over and over again. You know, my parents, they gave their life to Christ. They gave their life to people as ministers, as pastors. And as a young man, as I was going to the college, and as I, as I was even, you know, accepted a ministry position here in Indiana, and I, I always think, what is going to happen to them when they retire? Because they've never had enough money to put away. They've never, you know, I, I, what, what's going to happen? They've given their whole life to ministry. And many of those years just didn't have much money at all. In fact, a lot of those years. And can I tell you something? That they didn't worry about that. And that God has just supernaturally taken care of them. And is supernaturally taking care of my mom. She's here in the room right now. And she'll tell you, God has just supernaturally provided for them. Because they lived a life where they put God first. They just put God first. They put God first. And left the reward to him. And he knows how to reward. And he knows how to provide when you put him first. So when you put God first, the first has the power to bless the rest. And the third thing, when it comes to priorities, when it comes to living your best life, Never treat treasure like trash. Never treat treasure like trash. You're like, okay, where, where are you going with this, Pastor? Where are you going with this? You know, what I found out is people in this life, oftentimes they, they, they treasure trash. Things that will not last. Things that are going to be burned up. They treasure that. But that which is truly a treasure, they consider trash. It reminded me of a verse of scripture found in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again and then sold. And, and then in his joy, he went out and sold all that he had. And he bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. He bought it. He said, well, Pastor, I've never really understood those words. Let me explain them to you. Let me explain them to you. It's, it's, when, people, it's when people treat treasure like trash and trash like treasure. So, so some people have found, have found God. They've heard about God who is our best treasure. In fact, nothing compares to our God. 
and they see him, they might even experience him to some extent. But then they just go back. They've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, uh, but then they just go back. And their life is filled with excuses, abundant excuses. Well, I deserve this. Well, I've always wanted this. Well, surely God would want me to have this. Abundant excuses, a pattern of selfishness, a disregard for the obvious. Where God's saying, hey, look what's happening to you, and you don't even see it. That what you thought was bringing so much joy or would bring so much joy, you've, you have a hard time realizing that it's not joyful at all. That it's actually filled with heartache and struggles, loneliness, frustrations. And then you try to create your own rewards. You see, it's, it's treating treasure like trash. It's experiencing God and just saying, yeah, God, I'll just do it my own way. Never treat treasure like trash. Put God first. Put God first. The Bible says in Matthew that these people found treasure. And they went back and they gave up everything. So they could have the treasure. No, no, no. I've seen what's important in life. So God, you are my treasure. And I give you my all. I am completely sold out to you. You're first in everything. Because you're my treasure. So I, I, don't, I don't need to make excuses. I, I don't have to, to live a life of selfishness. I don't have to try to create my own rewards. And do, I, God, I just, I just choose you. Because you're the one. You're the one. who is more than I could ever ask for or hope for. You are the strength of my life. You're my deliverer. You're my healer. You're my rewarder. You are my all in all. You, God, are my treasure. And so I lay down everything else that I have. I sell it all out because I want you most I want you most. Would you stand with me today? If you want God most, could you just lift up your hands to him? This is the altar call right here, right now. It's happening in your seat. I just want you most, God. I just want you most. I want you most. Nothing compares in this world with you, God. There's nothing that compares with you, God. I want you most. 
But God, as I look at my past, I've seen there's been patterns of selfishness. I've made so many excuses. I've just tried to do it my own way. I tried to create my own rewards. And you were, you were calling me to yourself. And you were trying to show me that those things don't satisfy. But so many times I was just oblivious to the obvious. I had a disregard for the obvious. Sometimes I even, I even pointed my finger at you as if you were to blame. Oh, how I regret that, God. Because I realize today you are my all in all. You are my everything. And today I make a choice to put you first. I make a choice today, Lord, listen to my heart, that you are my treasure. You are my treasure. Nothing compares with you. And I worship you for your faithfulness and for your love, for your mercy, for your compassion. I worship you for your goodness. I worship you for your rewards. I worship you for everything that I have in my life. I thank you for my family. I thank you for my spouse. I thank you for my children. Father, I thank you for all of the goodness that you've shown me. When I didn't deserve it, you were still faithful, even when I was faithless. And I want to say thank you, Father. Thank you for being good to me. Thank you for saving my life from the pit, from redeeming my life from the pit. I thank you, Father, that when I was not worthy of it, you still loved me and you still called me to yourself and you accepted me as I am. And now I worship you and exalt you for being so good, so loving, so kind. Father, you are my treasure and I love you. And I worship you. Come on, everybody. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord and just bless them. We just bless you, Lord. We worship you, Lord, and honor you, Father, for being so good. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.